Uh, there's a quote by Henry Thoreau, and Tony Robbins says it all the time. And that is, if you want to take the island, you burn your boat. You do something to where you don't have an out. And it's just a great way to push yourself over that start line to get going and green light an idea. My guest this week is Amy Jo Martin. Before I describe who she is and talk about what she does and introduce our conversation, I wanted to share with you something that you can participate in right away. I started a project called Plus One Please. You can go find it at plusonepleasecom You can also find it on social media at Plus One Please everywhere you go, just not MySpace. Plus One Please is my way of helping people invite outsiders to their tables for feasts and friendship during the holidays and really all the time, but especially during the holidays when so many people go without. And by outsiders, I mean people that don't have the things that you have. I mean people that you just don't know and people that you don't agree with, people that don't live, think, act, talk the way that you do. Uh, For instance, in this current societal and political climate, it might be inviting someone that has vastly different political views than you do to your table for food, drink, conversation, because no matter how different some of our political views and ideologies are, there are things that we can agree on. There are ways that we can see to help each other. There are ways that we can see benefit in collaborating together and becoming friends. And so I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to consider who you can invite. I would also encourage you to go to plusonepleasecom Leave your email address there for the 12 days before Christmas, which that means it's coming up this week. I think it's the day this podcast releases or the next day. But get on as soon as you can because I'll be sending a daily email out each day leading up to Christmas Eve, giving you tips and tricks and thoughts and quotes on how you can take care of strangers and outsiders and people that aren't part of your immediate friend group and family group, so on and so forth. Join me in that because I think it's really important for us to find these places, and the table is one of those, find these places where we can invite people into that we're not used to being around. Plusonepleasecom So now my guest, Amy Jo Martin, I'm so excited to have her on. Amy Jo Martin is a New York Times bestselling author, She is a founder and CEO of several companies and projects. She's a keynote speaker, angel investor, podcast host. The podcast is Why Not Now? I'm a listener. You should become one too. And she's an innovation advocate. She has amassed quite a huge social media following. One of the projects that she and I have been following each other on social media for quite some time. And one of the projects that really attracted me to the work that she was doing was when she was really going deep on hashtag spread serotonin, hashtag spread kindness, words of kindness, acts of kindness. And she encouraged so many people and helped so many people give a damn about each other through the internet, through social media, through acting kindly toward each other. And she's an accomplished entrepreneur. She's an accomplished leader. She's an accomplished fill in the blank, so many things. And so I wanted her to come on and help us with different tips and tricks and ideas for giving more dams. Her podcast, Why Not Now? She's interviewed everyone from Mark Cuban, just so many amazing people on their Why Not Now moment, which one of the things that attracts me about this podcast and about Amy Jo Martin is that the Why Not Now moment has so many similarities to many of my guests' give a damn moment, where whether it's a a progression where people begin to give a damn over a long period of time, or whether it's a moment, we all have that time when things shift in our minds and our lives and we begin to give a damn. And so I had Amy on. We have a great conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. She is full of wisdom and joy and kindness and has a desire to help people spread that. And so I know you're going to learn a ton from her. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Without further ado, my name is Nick Lapara. I'm your host and the host of the Let's Give a Damn podcast, and here is my conversation with Amy Jo Martin. Let's go. Hey, 
Amy Jo Martin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me on, Nick. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to get your attention and your time and your experience and all of all of that for a few minutes here today. Um, I'm trying to decide where to start here. There's so much that I want to talk about. Let's go back. Many times I start the show this way because I, I'm always fascinated to find out a few details and get some insight into what are the things that made you who you are today? Because a lot of it, sometimes we can't point back, right? Uh, I know a lot of stories where it's like, I don't know. It was, you know, it just it just happened. It was luck. And a lot of our lives are luck for sure. But many times we can point back to people and situations and experiences in our lives that formed and shaped us to become who we are today. So I would love for you to go back as far as you want to you know, family, whatever, where, where you grew up geographically, just different things that may have shaped uh, who you are today, the person you are in the career, doing the things that you are doing today. So just share for a few minutes and uh, let's see where that goes. Sure. Absolutely. The first thing that comes to mind is um, I grew up with a bit of an addiction to curiosity and change. And the reason for that was we moved quite a bit. So my family and I, I was born in Wyoming and um, lived in various places in Wyoming, but also Kansas and Arizona and went to a few different schools and we had this mobile home. So we would move our house with us when it was time to go. And thinking back on it, you know, I think it it's really helped me become agile and flexible and adaptable. And, and it has served me pretty well, especially working in technology and in various industries that, that change so rapidly. Um, so, you know, we would, we would pick up and move. And my father worked in the construct construction industry. So we would, you know, go to the next job and it became, you know, kind of the, what we knew. And, and I really am grateful for it now. I think at the time it might've felt really tough trying to make new friends or, you know, getting attached here and there, but looking at it now, I think that's where I got part of my renegade mentality of just always wanting to explore and going from the desert to the, to Wyoming and, and growing up with skiing. And then you're in the middle of the country in Kansas. And it was just a really great way to sample nature, but also see the different types of people and walks of life pretty early on. Did your parents, did they intentionally kind of walk through those changes with you? Like, did you guys talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of living that sort of life? Or did you have to kind of figure it out on your own in terms of like just processing through the, you know, getting friends and then leaving them? And I don't know if you said you were homeschooled or not, but like just the whole school thing and just all the different yeah, were you, did you have to navigate that on your own or with your siblings or did your parents get involved? You know, we, I don't think we're, we're not a family that dwells on really anything for too long. Um, but it, I think it was positioned as an opportunity and, and excitement. My brother and I, we stuck together and, um, and I was grateful to go to the same high school. Uh, so once I got to age, geez, 11, 12, we stayed put. So those years are so important and, and, you know, I, I don't know anything different other than being with the same friends from that point on for my uh, high school education, but it's, you know, it was kind of an adventure. I think that was more of the mentality. And, and when you know, it's probably coming, there's a ability to prepare yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I know you kind of alluded to it a few seconds ago, but do you have any regrets from that time or is it pretty much all yeah, excited about the way that you grew up and th how that shaped who you are today? Or do you have any, like, does anything stick out that you really regret that you weren't able to do or experience you weren't able to have? I don't know if it's a regret, but I think there is a bit of a um, hangover from it at times that I see in that I'm pretty quick to bolt sometimes and it's not the best quality. I've gotten in, into trouble with that to where it's, it maybe that has something to do with moving around quite a bit and, and really comfortable with change. But uh, a lot of people are the opposite. And I think it's uh, something I'm just now realizing at age 38 that um, there's been a bit of a pattern, whether it's physical location or just situations to, to change quickly. And that's not always the best 
the best circumstance uh, for a situation, or that's not always the best solution. Yeah, I identify with that so deeply growing up in, was born in upstate New York, grew up, uh, spent 10 years in Guatemala, then spent six years um, traveling, literally traveling all over the world, living out of two suitcases, then getting married and kind of settling down. But even within the three cities that my wife and now my family and I have lived in, we've moved nine times in nine years. And then, uh, you know, nine homes in nine years in three cities. And then the last 18 months, we've literally been nomads. And just one week ago today or yesterday, we moved to Nashville to finally just like settle down for a year or two after 18 months of literally not having anything to call home, like staying with family and staying with friends. And so out of that, what you said about like the bolting, yeah, it's a really weird tension where I love, I think you do too from observing you, like I love people and people are so important and valuable to me in relationships. But at the same time, when I do move, and it might not show up until later on, but at that moment, like I don't get super like sad and grieving because on the one hand, I've done it so much, right? And on the other hand, you just know that there's more amazing people and experiences on the other side of this, right? Where a lot of people think when they leave, they're like, oh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get that again. I'm never going to, you know, experience this again. And it's like, no, actually you're going to at the next place that you move to. There's more amazing people, more great things to do. So I find it a blessing on the one hand, but also it can be a curse, you know, just relationships and other people that don't feel the same way you and I do might think, whoa, that was weird. They don't, it doesn't seem like they're feeling this like they should. They're not, maybe our relationship didn't matter that much to them or what we had here didn't matter. So anyway, I identify with that so deeply. Yeah, I could totally relate. When I think of roots, I think of nature and just, it can be anywhere. Yeah. And then another thing came to mind is you're probably similar to me in that there's something called the Colby test, kind of like a Myers-Briggs or, you know, the different personality types of tests. This is one that I really like because it takes into account various aspects of, of your character and tendencies. But um, there are four different pillars and one is called quick start. And you can be like anywhere from one to 10. Well, I'm a 10. So as, as high as it goes, I'm quick start. So, and it's not very common. So it's a great thing at times, and there are other times where I think it drives everyone around me absolutely crazy. Yeah, so. I've never taken the Colby test. I'm going to have to do that, and I bet I would score up in the 9 and 10, or maybe they'd add a new level for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to take that one. So let's move a little bit past you know, the growing up years. How did you get into the sort of professional life that you, you, know, you finally settled down for high school, you, you made some friends, made some relationships? How did you go from there into some of the professional things that you've been able to do? Yes. I went to Arizona State University and I kind of always joke because I did have a full ride academic scholarship, but it was to the number one party school in America. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of, it wasn't exactly, you know, Harvard or anything, but it worked out well. It was my first experience in big city life and then worked in marketing, got my marketing degree in business I worked at an ad agency for some, you know, amazing brands, a few of which were the professional sports teams in town, the Phoenix Coyotes and the Arizona Cardinals. And then eventually I moved over to the Phoenix Suns in the NBA and had a great couple of seasons with the Suns. Um, that's when really the, I'd say the bulk of my career, the last 10 to 12, 13 years started experimenting with with social media and what we could do different about what I called traditional digital at the same at, at the time and that's when really my life changed uh, due to some of the things that happened there with the Phoenix Suns and my trajectory just went a direction that I would have never imagined but I'm so grateful for in our talk here today, I see us taking a little bit different approach than what I normally do with many of the guests. Not that you are, you're very much a, you know, give a damn kind of person, but I see you as more of a, because of the things you've done and the book that you've written, which we're going to address, and then the podcast, I'm kind of looking at you more of a mentor and a teacher to people that want to give a damn or the why not now kind of people. And so what I'd love to do for the bulk of our time here today is kind of launching off 
you know, what you just shared briefly about your career. We're going to talk a little bit about the career, but I want to specifically talk about the book, the podcast, because I want to, as we get to know you a little more in this conversation, I want to use what you've learned personally in your own experiences and then what you've learned via the people that you've had a chance to interact with, right? I, I want to do a little osmosis here. We're going to learn from you, from all these other amazing people that you've had a chance to interact with, very successful people in um, very different kinds of success. So let's first talk about the book, uh, Renegades Write the Rules. I've read it. It's fantastic, super helpful. And again, I identify with so much of what you discuss in there, what you talk about. Can you tell us how, you know, how you got to the point where you wrote that book, how that came about, and then what what it's about, and uh, I guess kind of encourage people also, like why they should go, why they should go pick it up and read it. Sure, sure, and I'm I'm excited that we're going this route because I've learned so much from from various renegades around me, and and hope to be able to to spread that along. Yeah, renegades write the rules. So the book came out in 2012, and I really started studying. I'd say truly studying renegades <laughs> in that that time when I was with the Suns, 2005 season, 05, 06, and I ended up leaving in 2009 to start my own company. And throughout that process, I was able to work with various individuals that were just, they had it in their mentality to ask themselves, why not now? It was part of their daily practice. It wasn't something that they even had to think about anymore. It's just baked into their DNA. The book really is, it's about two things, in my opinion. And one is the blocking and tackling of social communication and the democracy that we live in with the internet and these social media platforms and how they can help us raise our voice and build our own presence and and share and what we do give a damn about. So I started my company in 2009, and it was one of the very first, if not the first social media agencies to really just focus on that swim lane. And I had worked with Shaquille O'Neal and done some really fun and creative campaigns with him. He had been playing for the Phoenix Suns at the time, the NBA. He was my first client. And then, you know, worked with a variety of, of wonderful brands that we all have heard of and know. And that's like... You know, Hilton Worldwide and Fox Sports and even Nike and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, and working with so many different just colorful yet and bold uh, renegade brands, I was able to learn a lot from them. Uh, and from an entrepreneurial side, I, I was cutting my teeth for the very first time in this world. I, I really didn't know how to grow a business, run a business, be a business owner per se. And so I was learning as I was going in my late twenties, early thirties, but it was a wild ride. And, you know, we were, we were doing some incredible things and, and campaigns were getting a lot of attention and notice. And, and so it was fun. And one thing I learned as a result of this, this journey um, was that I was also burning out. I was kind of hitting a phase where I lacked purpose. And there are many times where I realized I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, uh, running at a pace that wasn't sustainable. Um, eventually, it, I knew it was time to do something else. Um, I don't discount the seven years, you know, that was an amazing wild ride of, of having my company and the team is really what kept me going in the last couple of years there. But just the purpose part, and, and I'll call it the let's give a damn part, was was really missing. And I was sleeping maybe four hours a night, averaging 210 flights in one year, and and it just wasn't sustainable. And, um, and also the inside wasn't matching the outside in terms of who I really was. Uh, so there were a couple of, you know, there's some darkness there for sure. But on the outside, it looked like it was amazing. Um, so I, I share that specifically because here I was living and breathing and considered this voice of authority in the world of social media, yet I wasn't really being authentic myself. And uh, I think so many of us run into that situation where the brand and the image and that polished, perfect scenario that we put out into the world 
it trumps the real us and we start to become elbowed out the true us. So, so that wasn't helping. And, and a variety of, of things just caused me to stop and say, why am I doing this? It doesn't seem to be serving me well and it's, it's not a good look. And so that's when I started to think about what I wanted to do differently. Hence the, you know, the next phase, but I don't mean to skip over the true journey because I think from the outside, it looked like it was, it was great jet setting, with celebrities on their private jets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we always do that, right? We look at the even if we don't want to do that, right? You've we're playing the, you know, we're not going to post the shitty days on. Uh, maybe we should do more of that, but we don't n- naturally. No, we post if we're on the plane with you know Shaquille O'Neal or Dwayne Johnson or something instead of oh this day is really shitty. I don't want to get out of bed. I've done nothing all day. That's not the stuff we usually share. But yeah, so thank you for sharing that part of the journey because giving a damn and embracing why not now and doing all of these things isn't always, we talk about this a lot on the show, that I'm not trying to, I don't want to discourage anybody from the journey because I want them to embrace it, but it's not this like sexy, great, amazing thing always. It is hard. It's hard work. Let's talk about social media for a minute because you've obviously with your, with the people you've worked with, the company that you started, and also just you personally, you've had a lot of success on social media. You've had, yeah, you have like a, a more than a million followers on Twitter and uh, tens of thousands more on the other platforms. And specifically, You've used in this last year or so, I've seen you and I've even used it as well. Um, you know, this hashtag spread serotonin, you know, just spreading kindness, spreading joy, uh, happiness, those sorts of things through social media. How can, as someone who's had a decent amount of success on social media, how can give a damers use social media well to do good in the world? Like, how can we, what are some, because it can be used super negatively, right? Um, I mean, we've seen that this past year, even just in the political and societal climate has been astronomically, it's been made much bigger because of, yeah, there's so many negative things that have been happening this year because of politics and so on and so forth. But what are the ways that we can combat that? What are the ways that we can use social media for good based on the things that you've learned? Sure. So one of my key kind of aha moments was learning a little bit more about what serotonin is and how it works. And it's very simply put, and by no means am I a scientist, um, it works like this. If you do something nice to me, you get a hit of serotonin. And so do I as the recipient. Now, what's really amazing is that if someone witnesses that act, they do too. So if you take that concept online, it becomes scalable and spreadable and everything is accelerated through technology. So, so I started thinking about this and this was a moment I had exited my company and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And this was a a literal, I moved onto a boat and started meditating and just needed to kind of learn who I was um, because I skipped some steps. And so I woke up one morning and because of the political campaign going on at the time, there was so much hatred and anger. I thought, I think I'm going to quit. <laughs> you know, this is what I've been known for, but I think I'm done with social media. And um, I was listening to a podcast and and learning more about serotonin just randomly and then thought, well, why did I fall in love with this space to begin with? And something that really brought me a lot of purpose was when the Japan earthquake happened and I realized, and this was several years ago, but I realized that the act of helping one another is scalable because we're only bound by the speed of technology and there are no geographic barriers. So when we look at helping people, you could potentially help save a life with the click of a button for someone on the other side of of the globe in disaster recovering relief times, right? We see it all the time during Hurricane Harvey. Now, I thought, why don't we do this during just an ordinary, everyday, you know, normal life? And that's when I literally walked back to the boat. And I thought, what if I just ask people if there's anything I can do to help them? And I had seen a friend kind of do this on Facebook before. So I thought, I'll try it on Twitter. That's where most of my followers are. And I encourage anyone to try this. It's, it's amazing when you ask people if there's anything you can do, what happens next? First of all, you're going to feel good. 
And that's pretty amazing. It's like a quick way to push your own button or change your mood. And then it becomes contagious. So even if you don't get a response, what's happening is other people are seeing it and it's impacting not, a, not only how they feel, but what they do. And so I eventually, after experimenting, did a clinical study and was able to sync up with a scientist who, this amazing doctor who understands a lot more about that world than I do. And I knew a lot more about digital and social media than he did. So we did a study and what we basically proved was what we share online through social communication, through social media, every post, photo, comment, you know, image, it impacts our behavior offline and not just ours, but those people who are exposed to it. So it's not just about feelings. It's also about behavior And that to me is just incredibly powerful knowledge to know that, you know, we wouldn't litter in the physical world. We can't. Why would we be doing that in the virtual world? There's an area of research that needs to be done around this more because there's so much focus on trolls and the hatred and the bullying. Uh, But what about the benefits of positive behavior? And sometimes when we use the word kindness or happiness, joy, It sounds fluffy to people's ears, but when we start to look at the science, that's when I get excited because I think that's when people justify a little more. So are there any stories or situations that stick out to you from – so there's three people online that I see do this frequently. You – Peter Shankman. I don't know if you know who Peter is. Yeah. And I'm not saying this in a weird way, but like myself. I've been doing it for a couple years where – I see there's a constant like, how can I help you? And then a genuine follow through, right? So a lot of people can say, how can I help you? Or some version of that. And then when you approach them or say something that you know, you never hear back or they don't follow through or anything. But I've seen you know, several people that have just consistently, and again, it's not a one-time thing. You've been, you know, doing spread serotonin and how can I help you? And, you know, what's going on that I can help with? I've got an hour free, give me a call, those sorts of things. And I love that. And I've seen, I've seen in my life, like I did it again, like on a normal, not like a schedule, but like my life wants to do it. And so on a regular basis, my heart says, okay, ask again. So I did it on Facebook recently. And out of that, I, I got probably... 16 or 17 comments uh, and a few of them turned into, you know, every time it's like I have email interactions with people. I've helped people get jobs. I've helped uh, some of, some have ended up being podcast guests or people that I really want to interact with. Just really amazing stories have come out of me putting myself out there and saying like, genuinely, what can I do for you? If I, if it's within my power to do it, I'm going to do it. Are there any stories or situations or people that stick out from you doing that? you ended up being the beneficiary, like you ended up being impacted by that. Yeah, one definitely comes to mind. And and anyone can do this as a reminder. And I'll share with you in just a moment. But just if you think about it, if you have 10 minutes and, and you want to do something to feel more purpose or good, it's the easiest way to volunteer, most convenient way to give back that that has ever existed. So, um, and you can do it from anywhere. So I now do this through uh, the Why Not Now podcast, which is my podcast. I, on Wednesdays, will share a phone number and say, give me a call. And I share that phone number on social media and people call up and we talk through their Why Not Now idea. And and I have five things that I've learned after doing about a hundred different interviews, which we can talk about. But the thing that comes to mind about just asking people, can I help you? There's a story of a guy who saw me do this uh, several times. And I didn't know it until recently, but he started doing it. And uh, I saw it maybe once or twice, but I didn't know what had happened is he actually um, is a really good writer and he helped someone adjust their resume. And eventually that person ended up getting a job in large part because he was helpful in updating their resume. So I was just so touched because it had nothing to do with, with me helping. It was more of, it was contagious. He saw, and so he wanted to help someone else and he did. And that person, you know, did get their job and then it came back around full circle. And, um, and that was just powerful because you never know who you're impacting. You know, even if you don't get a lot of responses, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, there's nothing that you really can do for me right now, but thanks. It makes me want to help someone. 
And um, that's, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it really does come, you know, I believe, regardless of faith or, you know, spiritual anything, like the universe, whatever you want to call it, again, a higher deity or just the universe, like it comes back around. Um, when you put yourself out there genuinely not looking for something in return, not selfishly, not for selfish gain, but genuinely just like, I want to help. It always, in some way, shape, or form, comes back around. And I've seen that. You just talked about how you've seen that. Um, and I love that. And I encourage everybody that's listening. Uh, again, you don't have to start a big company to do this. You don't have to do something crazy. Like if you have 10, 15 minutes um, on social media or send text around, or I've done all ver- varieties of that, phone calls, text. There's always someone that needs something that you have because, you, you know, you're a gifted person. You're an amazing person and people need what you have. So I love just you pointing out over and over again. It's just a, just a few minutes and it's just, the bar of entry is so low with giving a damn in that way. Um, anybody that's listening can do it um, on a regular basis. So love that. Let's talk about your podcast here. Let's spend the rest of the time talking about the podcast. Um, you have had some, you know, f- phenomenal guests on the podcast. Uh, some of the guests that a lot of people would know would probably be Mark Cuban, uh, Simon Sinek. I've read every book and word that Simon's ever written. Uh, Scott Harrison from Charity Water. would love Charity Water. Um, Chris Saka. Gosh, there's so many that I could, that I could mention. Uh, Tony Robbins, obviously. Morgan Spurlock. Ariana Huffington. Amazing people. We could go through every person, and I'm sure in every interview that you've done, amazing things have come out of it. I think I've listened to probably almost every episode, if not every episode. Um, I've learned a ton as well. Oh, totally. No, no, no. It's amazing guests. Uh, I'm, I'm a better person because of it. So let's talk about, tell me about Why Not Now, why you started the podcast, and then if there are any, any ideas, any people, any lessons that stick out. Let's talk about a few of those from the amazing uh, people that you've been able to interview. Because again, in in different ways, shapes, and forms, every person that you've interviewed because of the why not now question gives a damn about something. And I'm always excited to like help people move closer to that moment themselves. Like I always tell people, my job is to take away any excuse that you come up with for not giving a damn because there's always excuses. Uh, My kids are too small or we don't have enough money or I have school bills or I work too much. Yes. And so many people do that and still give a damn. They still do their why not now. And so, yeah, let's talk podcast for a minute. Sure. Sure. So, so on the show, I, you know, I bring these all walks of life and fascinating people on and we dissect a moment when they go from idea to action, from dreaming to doing. And it's really that critical time and that bridge that I'm interested in because I think we have a lot of inspiration out there and and that's awesome. But I really am focused on the tangible, tactical, you know, tips and tricks. So one of the things that I love about it is that I've started to see themes among these people. And I'm not surprised by that. But what I am surprised by is that a few of them are very tactical and some are, are a little bit different. They, they fall in what I call kind of a soft category. But when you ask a person to kind of dissect like that, they relive it and they relive that moment. And in many cases, people have shared things with me on the show that they've never shared before. And I find that really exciting and and encouraging because I think when people get vulnerable, uh, that's when we are sh- we're providing value and and learnings to other people, and so and also healing ourselves. One of the things that that keeps coming up, it's my favorite of all of the themes and trends I see. And that is most of these people, when they're going from idea to execution, they put some sort of mechanism in place to hold themselves accountable. And by that, I mean, they will buy that plane ticket. They will announce or declare what they're about to do to someone or to a public um, forum that will hold them accountable. So they're kind of putting their own back against the wall and giving themselves an irreversible out. Uh, There's a quote by Henry Thoreau, and Tony Robbins says it all the time, and that is, if you want to take the island, you burn your boat. You do something to where you don't have an out. And it's just a great way to push yourself over that start line to get going and green light and idea. 
so that's that's one of my favorites. I've found about five thus far, but it's it's pretty easy to do. And uh, I just had a situation last week. I was giving a talk to an audience, and I asked, "Does anyone have a why not now idea that they want to share?" And this woman raised her hand, and she said, "I." went to get divorced about two years ago, and then it never happened because of a variety of different reasons. She ended up getting back with her partner, and then they broke up again, and then that happened for a while, but they haven't actually been together for over a year. And there's a location, a ge- geography kind of barrier, and she said, it's just been dangling, and I'm ready to finally address this. And that was the moment she burned her boat because she was in front of all these other people. And by an hour later, she had booked her plane ticket and um, and made some real commitment to it. So it was just, that's an example. If you say something out loud, it was a moment where everybody was also supporting her. Yeah, absolutely. It's I have found that to be true in so many ways, shapes and forms in my life that it's so easy to you know toss to the side and not do the things that we know that we're supposed to do when we don't say it out loud, don't write it down, don't get it out there for people to see, to get that accountability. It's so easy to just be like, well, you know, we can come up with a thousand excuses. I find this so often in, um, you know, a lot of my work is consulting and coaching from teams and companies down to individuals that want to lead better and be better in their lives. I just got off a coaching call before you and I got together. And um, one of the things that, you know, I will hear so blatantly and so loudly, I want to do this. I want to be this. Here are the things that I want to accomplish in my life, right? And then I will begin to dig further. I will begin to ask more pointed questions about, okay, so what do you, what are you doing with your time? What are you spending your time doing? How are you, okay, I want to run a marathon, right? Okay, that's great. But if you don't put anything in place, if you don't make action steps toward doing that, starts by telling people and then you have to start running. You have to start practicing and training. You're never going to get that. You're never going to run that marathon. And so I see that happen so often. Then you start digging in and somebody's like, well, I just spent, you know, eight hours yesterday binge watching a whole season of X show, or I just, you know, laid around all weekend playing video games. And you start to find that because they didn't say it out loud, because they didn't set a plan in motion, they ended up just not doing it. Yeah. I love, I love that getting it out, saying it out loud. Yeah, very impactful. Are there any others that stick out that are kind of common threads through everybody from, you know, the billionaire Mark Cubans to, yeah, just the different entrepreneurs and the the, the female amazing leaders and other people that you've uh, interviewed? Yeah, absolutely. It, one of the other themes I see is a lot of times these renegades will ask themselves, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm, that's good. And they answer that question Oftentimes, though, they don't jump to the worst thing. First, they say, what if this doesn't work? And they answer that. And then they say, okay, then what? And they answer that. And they keep this process of then what, then what, and follow it all the way through to the worst potential thing that could happen. And when we go through that process, we realize from point A to B, from green lighting an idea to the worst thing, there's usually more time than we realize. And in that time, we can make adjustments and change course and kind of get some insurance. There's a safety net there to where it's not just going to happen. The other thing that we realize is we're putting that worst thing, we're taking it out of the driver's seat. So, so many times we focus on the worst thing. And when we answer the question and identify it, we now are taking control over where we're headed and it becomes a calculated risk instead of a huge fear. Uh, and it's a great tool. Um, oftentimes when I follow all the way through, worst thing that can happen, then what, then what, then what? I might be like sleeping on a friend or family member's couch <laughs> or who knows, but that's about 30 steps away from green lighting an idea, right? So it's probably safe enough to try. Totally. Yeah, yeah. We we should do a lot more trying and experimenting than we do. We can all we can all probably do more of that. And you know, I think we tend to be super risk averse, which I don't, I don't think that's such a bad idea. I mean, Mark Cuban talks all the time about how he's very risk averse in look at what he's, you know, become. But I definitely think that most of us tend to be way 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 too safe in how we 
make our decisions. We don't want anything that could potentially, and we don't go through that process that you just, you know, you just described. And so we never end up, whether you're talking about why not now, whether you're talking about becoming a renegade, whether you're talking about give a damn, like we never end up doing that thing because we haven't done the homework. We haven't done the, you know, our due diligence in the process to figure out, um, you know, it's not actually that bad. Like we're, I'm going to be taken care of. I have friends, I have family. This is going to work out. You know, I just need to go ahead and do it. So you are in many different ways, a successful woman in business, tech, media, a few different arenas, a few different worlds. As we begin to wrap up here, what are some of the lessons you personally have learned about getting out of ruts, about beginning to care about stuff and people, and about giving a damn, about becoming that that renegade? What are some things that you can, that, and specifically, not just things that you've learned, but things that you've learned that will be helpful to those listening. So maybe some of them can grab onto these and say, oh, that's that's me. That's where I'm tripping up. I can take that to heart and I can move on that like today. Sure. Um, one of the things that popped into mind first, which is usually a sign, is um, I've really kind of struggled with knowing the difference between when to let things happen and when to make things happen. And I really have always just kind of thought, well, if you can make it happen, why wouldn't you? Right? Just out of sheer force of will, if you have to, if you want to do something, make it happen. And that's great sometimes. And you can hit some home runs, but it can also really create some crash and fall scenarios too, because what I'm learning now, and, and this is a recent, the last couple of years, I'm learning there's another side to things and really listening and tuning in onto whether or not you, you want to make them happen and letting things happen. And, and I think one of the ways I've been able to learn this a little more is through body intelligence is paying attention to how I physically feel. And um, if you would have said this to me like three, four years ago, someone would have said, well, what's your intuition saying? I probably would have said, well, should we just get out of magic eight ball? Because <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about intuition. And it might sound silly, but it's true. But I've become a, quite a bit more curious about learning physiologically. If you get goosebumps or if you get hot or nervous or feel a certain way, pay attention because that's a pretty good GPS and um, I dismissed it for so long. So that's one of the things. I guess the other thing that has been really top of mind lately is that you know, there's so much romanticism about the grind and the hustle and the the chasing and grasping. And I used to subscribe to that hundred percent. And it was my, I thought it was my unique selling proposition or my differentiating factor. And, and, um, it kind of, kind of ran myself into the ground, but I realized it's not supposed to be that hard. If you're hitting that much resistance and struggle, yes, work hard. Of course, believe me, I totally encourage people to work hard, but if it is at that struggle place where you're having more struggle days than days where you're seeing positive energy, something needs to change. Something isn't right. Maybe you're not operating in your, your zone of genius, as they say, and you're, you're out of alignment. So it's really not supposed to be that hard. And if you're doing what you're here to do, it isn't. And that's a huge epiphany for me. <laughs> I love it. No, that's super helpful. That's good stuff right there. We're going to wrap up here in a minute. One lighthearted question and then one kind of heavier question, and then we will wrap up. Um, the lighthearted one is, it seems like, I mean, not when you were a kid, but you've lived in cities and doing cool stuff and great places. And then recently you moved to Montana. Is that right? South Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota. Sorry about that. That's okay. But it's basically you moved out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Um, and so tell me briefly why the move? Because I'm a city. I've always lived in cities. And I every day that passes, I get more and more excited about living in the city. Like I don't like to drive. I want to walk and bike in public transportation everywhere. Um, in a couple of years, hopefully we're moving to New York City. And we're just going to plant down for the rest of our lives there. That's kind of the dream. And... You've had that and you're, you know, again, very much still in the tech media business space, but you've chosen to like peace out of the city life and head to South Dakota. 
um, where, you know, I follow you on social media. Like, it's out there. It's beautiful. That's breathtaking, but it's out there. So tell me about what that was all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I preface this with I travel a lot still. So still traveling a lot to cities. It gives me that urban vibe, and I need it for sure. Um, I really wanted to kind of go on the offensive for a a while. And I found myself reacting and I wanted to learn some things. I wanted to build some things. The Why Not Now podcast is one of them. And nature to me is a huge part of my life in in terms of just healing and and kind of stopping and listening for a while. Um, So I felt like I had done a lot of talking and it was time to kind of ease up a bit and slow down a little bit and listen. And um, so that's why I literally live in the forest. Some days I see more animals than people. But then I hop, last week I was in LA and Dallas and next week I'll be in uh, San Diego. So, I mean, it's, I'm constantly traveling, but um, it's my little reprieve. Yeah. So it won't be forever, but it's, it's, it's good for now. Yeah. No, that's awesome. How long is your drive to an airport? 35 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. I thought it'd be more than that. That's not bad. I mean, many of us in the city have to spend more time in a car to get to an airport than uh, right, right. than that. So yeah, that's cool. Okay, last question. And I think about legacy a lot. And so that's where this question comes from. Someday you're going to die. And the hypothetical part is that for some reason, I'm giving your eulogy, all of your, you know, your friends and your, your family and your fans and people that you've impacted, um, everybody that you've helped through, you know, the podcast and through Spread Serotonin and Why Not Now, the whole thing, everybody's there. There's lots of people celebrating and at the same time mourning, you know, your incredible life. What do you hope, in a few sentences, what do you want me to say in that eulogy about your life and the impact that you've had? Wow, this is a good question. I hope you would say that I helped other people do really difficult things and all forms of difficult things in their own lives. Um, But that to me is what I hope I'm doing every day. And that's my, my mission. Um, Because I feel like if we could all live to our potential, our world would be a lot better place. I love that. I love that short and sweet and so full of impact. And that's a great legacy right there. I have a tattoo, a black diamond tattoo on my wrist to remind me of that. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good way to get a reminder. I have lots of tattoos as well. And many of them are specifically to remind me of stuff. So I, I love that. Well, Amy, this has been fantastic. I would ask you where people can find out more about you, but everybody just go look Amy Jo Martin on social media, amyjomartin.com. Go buy the book. Go listen to the podcast, especially lots of many great conversations there. And I hope we can do this again. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Nick. I've enjoyed it. And thanks for the work that you're doing. It's important and powerful. I truly enjoyed my conversation with Amy Jo Martin, and I hope you did as well. There were many tips, many tricks, many helpful pieces of advice for you in that conversation. So I hope you heard them. I hope you grabbed them. I hope you begin to embody some of the stuff that you heard. And if you enjoyed this conversation, go find Amy online and let her know. She's at Amy Jo Martin everywhere, I believe. You can also check out her work and the things she's doing at amyjoemartin.com. It'll be easy to find her. She has a she has a pretty substantial following and footprint on the interweb. So go let her know. And let me know what you learned from this conversation as well. I'm at Nick LaPara and at Let's Give a Damn everywhere on the internet as well. A couple housekeeping things before we leave. As always, if you enjoy this show, I would love for you to do a couple things for me. These things help us grow. They truly do. They're little things that take you 30, 40, 50, 60 seconds, but they help us tremendously. Next time you're listening to one of our podcast episodes and you're enjoying it, you're truly enjoying it, Would you mind screenshotting that, taking a screenshot of you listening on whatever podcast app you prefer? Put that in your Instagram story. Put that on your Instagram account, on Facebook, on Twitter, letting people know what you're listening to and how they can begin to listen. That just takes a few seconds, helps us out a ton. Also, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That would mean the world to me. Those 
reviews lend us credibility in a variety of ways, just like any review system does. And that helps us when people are looking at the podcast, those five-star reviews, they help us a ton just to be legitimized and recognized as a podcast that is truly helping people. And lastly, you can give one, five, 10, $25 a month to help support the work that we're doing by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash let's give a damn. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash let's give a damn. You can choose the level of that you want to give at. We're grateful for any bit that you do give. We have about 14 or 15 people giving right now. So grateful for them. As I wrap up, I do hope that as you go into this next week, if you're listening to this on the day that it releases, on a Tuesday, you have a bunch of the week left. Whenever you're listening to it, there are days ahead of you, days where you get to choose. Today, do I care about the people, places, and things around me? Do I give a damn? Do I put my extra foot forward? Do I make myself aware of what's going on instead of aimlessly just existing in and out of every day? You have those decisions ahead of you. And so please make the right decision because there are so many people that need our help, especially during the holidays. That's why I started Plus One, please. That's why I'm so excited about people jumping on board with that and also just the Let's Give a Damn family. There are ways that you can, you don't need any more stuff. You don't need any more things. Try and figure out what is the way or what are the ways that you are going to be able to help people this Christmas season. There are a few days left until Christmas. It is cold in most of the places that you and I live. There are people that need stuff. My wife and I were just talking today. What are we going to do this week with our children as we get closer to Christmas to help them see that it's not about stuff and that it is about people? And we talked about one night this week, we're going to order a bunch of pizzas. We're going to get in the car and we're going to go get a bunch of pairs of socks. Any homeless people we see, we're going to hand them a full hot pizza and a packet of socks. I wish we could get them off the street. I wish I could take them into my home. And we have on many occasions brought homeless people into our home to sleep on our couch and fed them. But we're going to do that and get some pizzas and some socks out to them. And so I hope that you can figure out what's your way that you're going to give a damn this holiday season. I'm going to let you guys go. I'm so excited. This past week, I recorded four or five more podcasts in one day's time. It was a heavy day, but it was so fun. So many amazing stories coming. So as we head into the new year, into 2018, I hope you're ready. We're going to keep ramping this up. We're going to keep sharing stories. We're going to keep finding more and more ways of helping you give a damn. I love you all. Thanks for joining me. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.